Happy Easter, everyone. Easter is the most celebrated festival in the world. Why? Because it's all about hope. Easter is a celebration of hope. And hope is where desperation and love meet. And love always wins. If you are desperate and in need of some hope today, then watching this is going to be good for you. Because Easter reminds us that God is in the business of turning the pain and the desperation of Good Friday into the victory and future hope of Easter Sunday. It says that the cross is not how the story ends. If you feel like you're carrying a cross right now, remember, it's not how your story ends. You can have new resurrection life in Jesus today. You can have hope breathed into you again. Hope is to the soul what oxygen is to the lungs. Now, the physical resurrection of Jesus on that first Easter Sunday was not the reversal of a defeat, but the manifestation of a victory. His resurrection, with over 500 people witnessing the risen Jesus on 11 different occasions over a six-week period, proved that the cross worked. On the cross, Jesus took all of the world's sin, all of your and my sin, upon himself, and he dealt with it. So if the wages of sin is death, then the cross means that death is no longer the end. There will be a physical resurrection to come for all those who put their faith in Jesus. And as a sign of this resurrection to come, Jesus himself rose from the grave as what the Bible says is the first fruit of the resurrection. You need never fear death again. You will live forevermore with him. But the resurrection has another implication, which is life-changing for us. It is this. You can have a relationship with Jesus now because he's not dead. He's alive and supports you and walks with you through every moment, both the victories and the apparent defeats. And that's what our reading today shows us. It shows us five ways in which we can connect with God and have a relationship with the risen Jesus. Let me read it to you. This is Luke chapter 24, beginning at verse 13. Now that same day, two of them, that's two of the disciples, were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles, that's 11 kilometers from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you only a visitor to Jerusalem? And do not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all of this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, 
but they didn't find his body. They came and told us that they'd seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and they found it, just as the women had said. But him they did not see. He said to them, How foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he was going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day's almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, it's true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Amen. This story begins with the two disciples downcast, sad and confused. They even say that they'd hoped Jesus was the redeemer, but their hopes had been dashed. Maybe you feel sad or confused right now, or like all hope has gone. But this passage ends with their hearts burning within them not heartburn, but excitement, and rushing back to Jerusalem to tell their friends. If you're sad or, or lacking hope, I have faith to believe that today, full of the Holy Spirit, you will be able to excitedly tell others of all that God has done for you. You know, I love the way that at the beginning, as the two disciples were chatting and sad, it says, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. Then they explained to Jesus all the ways in which Jesus had not fulfilled their hopes and aspirations. And when the conversation turns to claims of resurrection, with Jesus standing right in front of them, they say, ah, but him, they did not see. They basically say, resurrection? Mm, we're not convinced. You know, I find this so encouraging because it tells us that Jesus is with us. He's with you, even when we don't realize it, even in those moments when God seems completely absent and we feel alone. Just a couple of weeks ago, I went to Bangladesh and I arrived at the airport there late at night. It was about 11.30 p.m. But when I got to immigration, there was an issue with processing my visa. And they said, look, uh, we need some extra documents from the organization that has sent your invitation letter. So they need to bring them here or else we can't let you in. But by the time they told me this, it was already half past midnight. 
So I, I tried calling just a couple of contact numbers that I had, but of course, nobody answered. I said, they're not answering. They said, well, that's not our problem. Unless you get the documents, we can't let you in. I have to say, the low point was round about 2.30 a.m. in the morning. I'm sitting there in Dakar airport. It's completely empty, apart from me, the immigration guards, and these two young Japanese tourists who, as far as I'm aware, may well still be there right now. And I thought, God, why aren't you hearing my prayer? I've prayed to you. Jesus, where are you? Why have you left me here on my own? What's going on? I was sad, confused, alone. But then something extraordinary happened. Eventually, a, a, a while later, I tried one of the random numbers one more time and somebody answered. I explained to him the predicament. He said, no problems, I'll send over the documents in a moment. But then he said, but can you just put me on to the immigration guard? I went, yeah, okay. So handed over the phone and they started chatting. Now, what transpired next is amazing because this guy had, years before, been a teacher. And they discovered that one of his pupils, when this little guy was a boy, was now the immigration guard. He taught him. He was like, whoa, I can't believe it. And then the immigration guard was surprised to hear that this guy was no longer a teacher, but was now a pastor. Then he told him all about Jesus. And then, to our utter surprise, the guy on the phone and me standing at the desk, the border guard then said these words. Ah, will you pray for me? So there and then at about 4 a.m. in the airport, on the phone and with me leaning over the desk, we prayed for this guy. He was so moved and said thank you and gave me the visa. It was only then that I realized, wow, Jesus, you'd planned this all along. Jesus, you were in this and with me all along, even when I didn't see it. Of course I had to wait all that time because you needed this guy to speak on the phone to that guard. You see, whatever you're walking through in life right now, Jesus is walking with you. He's with you. And not only is Jesus present with you, but he communicates with you. And we see how Jesus does this in five ways in this passage. Firstly, Jesus communicates with you conversationally. In verse 17, he asked the two disciples, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They basically say, uh, duh, are you the only person who doesn't know? Now, of course, Jesus knew. In fact, at this stage, he's the only person who truly knows what's going on and has just happened. But he graciously asked them, what things? Maybe you've said to God recently, God, don't you understand what I'm going through? Don't you know? He knows. He understands. But he also asks you, what things? Not because he doesn't know, but because as his beloved child, he wants you to talk to him, to tell him, to build a relationship with him and benefit from the healing process of conversation with him in prayer. But also notice how Jesus 
asked the disciples this question whilst there together. In other words, yes, we can talk to God alone in prayer, but we can talk to God by and through talking to other Christians as well. We so often hear God best in the context of community. That's why we have the Alpha Small Group. That's why we meet in smaller groups called Connect Groups midweek and in our gatherings. So talk to Jesus in prayer and talk about Jesus in community because he wants to talk to you. So he talks to us conversationally. Secondly, the risen Jesus talks to us exegetically. And by that, I mean he speaks to us through the Bible. Verse 27 uh, says this. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. The scriptures, the word of God, point us to the living word of God, Jesus. The Bible is about Jesus. Jesus himself said in John chapter five, you diligently study the scriptures because you think that by them you possess eternal life. But these are the scriptures that testify about me. Yet you refuse to come to me to have life. If you want God to speak to you, read the Bible. Even just a couple of verses a day will speak to you and into your very situation. Jesus will speak to you through it. As C.S. Lewis said, the Bible read in the right spirit and with the guidance of good teachers will bring us to him. The third way that Jesus speaks to us is sacramentally. And by this, I mean through communion. Verse 30 says this, when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. It's when they share bread, a clear parallel with the Last Supper, that they then realize who Jesus is. We encounter Christ as we partake in communion. And communion comes from the Greek word koinonia, meaning fellowship. As we take the bread and wine, we fellowship with God and with one another. So next time that you take communion, go along to your local church or come to HTBB. As you share communion, be expectant to encounter the risen Jesus and to realize that you're not alone. The fourth way that Jesus speaks to us is prophetically. As they take the bread from Jesus, they have a moment of revelation. We read this, then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. You know, sometimes God just reveals himself to us in a prophetic or supernatural way through visions or through words of knowledge, or, or just through viewing something that was already there, but through new spiritual eyes. A friend of mine is a, a pastor, and he told how he met this woman who, who shared her story with him. She has, had gone through a really, really tough time. She'd lost both of her parents. And uh, she was not a Christian, but she was kind of done with any faith. And she gave her God an ultimatum. She said, God, if you don't reveal yourself or talk to me in some way in the next five days, if you don't do that, then I'm done with any religion again. 
Well, it got to the final fifth day and she went to bed that night thinking that's it. God doesn't exist. But as she slept that night, she had a dream. And in that dream, she was in this waiting room and this man walked in and she said she, somehow she knew it was Jesus. And she got up and walked to Jesus and said, Jesus, I need to talk with God. And he looked at her, smiled and said, talk. And she said, said no, 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 no. I need to talk to God. And again, he smiled and said, talk. And then he said these words, I am God. She woke up from her dream. It felt so real, but she was like, it can't be. She was confused. So she went out for a, a walk that morning in the park near where she stayed, and she sat on a bench. As she was sitting there that morning, a complete stranger came up to her and gave her a New Testament, the Bible, and then said, why don't you come to church with me? So she followed her and went to church, heard the preacher talk about Jesus, and then later that day on her own, she read one of the Gospels from the New Testament and chose to put her faith in Jesus as God, as her Lord and Saviour, the one who had revealed himself to her. Now, it might not be as dramatic as that, but I pray that you will see with spiritual eyes who Jesus is and all that he has done for you and all that he is doing in your life and all that he has for you in the future. And then the fifth and final way we see that the risen Jesus communicates to us is experientially. In verse 32, the disciples asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? This is the work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. Romans 5 verse 5, St. Paul says, God pours his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he's given us. And in a moment, I will pray for you to experience the love of God poured into your heart so that it burns with hope within you. But before that, I want to give you an opportunity to open the door of your heart and invite Jesus in. Maybe you've never done this before, or maybe you want to do it again now in a significant way. Verse 29 says this, as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if, it, as, as if he were going further, but they urged him strongly, stay with us for it's nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. This verse has a clear parallel with what we read in Revelation chapter three, verse 20, when Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with them and them with me. So this Easter, will you open the door of your heart to Jesus right now and invite him in?
Why don't we pray? If you'd like to do that, just echo this prayer in your heart right now. Jesus, thank you that you died on the cross for me, that I can be forgiven all the wrongs I've done or all the wrongs that have been done to me in the past. I'm sorry, and I turn from those ways. I put my trust in you, Jesus, and I receive your free gift of forgiveness and righteousness. I open the door of my heart. Please, by your Holy Spirit, come and enter in to be with me forevermore. And whoever you are watching this right now, just pray this. Come, Holy Spirit. Would you pour your love, Lord, into my heart? And would it burn within, with passion and with new hope? At the end of this story, the very next verse the risen Jesus turns up to all the disciples where they're gathered together. And he says these words in verse 36. Peace be with you. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He died and rose to put us at peace with God and with one another. So whatever you're going through in life right now, receive the peace of God Almighty, the peace that surpasses all understanding. May it keep your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.